Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm going to ask you a question today. Who out there listening has a problem with acceptance? I know I do. <laughs> acceptance and not being able to change something that you know you can't change is something I think we all go through. And my um, guest today, who I've, ha I've had on before because she's very good, she's a skilled therapist, she has a private practice, and she is an expertise in a lot of modalities, and she has to deal with these things a lot. And this is Dr. Michelle Maidenberg. Hi, Michelle. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me back. So nice to see you. So me too. And um, so what do you think about, I, in fact, I think you do acceptance and commitment therapy, which is your whole brand called ACT. Tell us what that is, that approach. Uh, it's a modality that um, was originally created. One of the founders is uh, Stephen Hayes. And I had the absolute blessing to see him and uh, train with him. But he is so incredibly dynamic. But, you know, it's really predicated in, you know, acceptance, you know, and commitment, which is what it expresses. But a big part of it is also kind of couched in our values. So a lot of my work is is definitely value-based. And our values definitely are our foundation for effective decision-making. So I actually dedicate a chapter in my book on values because I think it's such a core component of the work that I do and also that I teach people. It's it's so, so integral. So when you say values, like to me, I think of values are instilled in you as a child by your parents. Uh, do you think that's the case or do you think it's not? It's part of it. It's part of it. I always say that there are values that we acquire, there are values that we aspire, and there are values that are circumstantial. And that's how I break it up. So the ones that you just referenced are the ones that we acquire. And we acquire that from all different places, right? It's how we're socialized. It's how we're acculturated. It based on our family of origin, it based on our identity, and on and on and on. I could go on and on and on specifically with the values that we acquire, some of them are ones we inherit, so to speak, right? We may not feel it on the gut level. We may not connect to it, but we just kind of do it because it's something that we're used to. It's something we're familiar with. It's something that we think we should be doing, so to speak, yeah, right? Yeah. So it is, it is important, you know, when you're doing your values assessment to understand, you know, what type of value it is. Right. So let's say wealth, I'll use just the value of wealth, right? This, you know, um, some people may, and actually I'm working with somebody very interesting. I'm working with somebody right now. He's a young adult, um, again, post-college. He has a fabulous uh, finance job uh, that, that he currently has, which is, you know, making a lot of money and et cetera. However, the job is so incredibly, I would say, um, what's the word I would use, uh, detrimental to his health. I don't even know how else to say it, that yeah. it's causing him to have literally physiological somatic symptoms that's stress-related. And it's so prohibitive because it's wreaking havoc, wreaking havoc on his body and his life. Yes. Um, but when we talk about it, it is so obvious that a lot of the thoughts that come in his mind is I should be doing this. And yeah you know, I must be doing this. And if I don't do this, there's this 
tremendous amount of anxiety that gets induced because of, again, it's even not even natural consequences because one of the things that came up as an example is, you know, I won't have, I won't be surrounded by my friend group or I won't be accepted. Uh. And, and it was so interesting. I said, how do you know that? And he said, I don't know. And I said, you think that, yes, but you don't know that. It's, so yeah, it's all- interesting that you're saying that because my mind is actually going in so many different directions because I'm thinking about growing up in my family, that your value was based on the money you were bringing into the home. Okay. And my value that was what I felt was the need to do service. And I wanted to be a teacher. So that was a definite, you know, difference there. And the other thing is I had a podcast last year with a beautiful woman that was a model. And she actually was a model for QVC at one point at the height of her career. And they used her so much. She worked so many hours that she actually slept there. She didn't even have time to go home. She would end up sleeping there. And she finally said, and she made a ton of money. But she finally had a breakdown. She had a breakdown. So that's what we're talking about here, you know. Um, well, well, this person that I just spoke of, I'm actually filling out paperwork for him to get a leave of absence from work and potentially leaving work altogether because yeah. it's so prohibitive. So there you go, right? Like what's driving him or what drove him to take the job to begin with and to go into that career path was these values that he acquired. But he recognizes you know what he wanted to do his whole life? He wanted to be on a fishing boat. That's what he wanted to be doing. Well, I ended up doing what I wanted to do. It, it took a long time to get there, but mm-hmm. I did. My career choice ended up being teaching people with disabilities how to live independently. Not an English teacher, which is what I first wanted to be at 17, but a very rewarding thing to do. No, it didn't pay a lot, but I loved my job. And I just want to see what you think of this one situation. I had a friend who, um, she liked the social life. I live in Palm Beach, okay? And there's a lot of people here that kind of misrepresent themselves Mm. and want to be identified with that Palm Beach type society but they're really not. So she was very social. She had a lot of parties. She attended a lot of events. She had some people that were high in society as friends. And we also uh, went to the same spiritual community, Unity of the Palm Beaches, which has a very um, broad meaning of what God is. And it's not religious, it's spiritual. Anyhow, long story short, somebody in her social group belonged to I'll just say it, Christ Fellowship, was it's a very Christian-based church. Mm-hmm. She joined that church and she immediately cut off all of her friends that were non-religious and spiritual and said. And that to me is, there you go, there's your value system, right? What the, the wanting the, um, what would you say, attention or feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, our values, you know, just in terms of defining what values are, because people also get confused about that. Right. You know, values, um, again, there's no ending to values. In other words, if we have goals, 
right? Which are different than goals. Goals, there's an ending, right? You accomplish or you reach a goal. Our values are continuous. We're always striving towards our values. They're a lot more general, right? There's also actions that we take on behalf of our values. So they're very action-based. And we can stipulate what that is very specifically. Mm -hmm. And just because we're not acting on behalf of our values doesn't X out the value. It doesn't mean that it's not important to us. We're just not exercising it in the moment, Mm -hmm. right? The other piece of it is that there's no contingencies. We accomplish our values or we lean into them, right? Or we take action on behalf of them no matter what, Mm -hmm. okay? So it's a certain mindset and it's a certain direction you take in your life. Yeah. So my mindset and my direction has always been to help people, specifically women. Um, And when I got sober like 30 some years ago, I became a sponsor and I sponsored so many women, many, Mm -hmm. many. And um, also with helping the disabled, that was, you know, part of my achievement with sticking to what I wanted to do to be helpful, to be, to be of Mm -hmm. service, I guess you'd say. And um, like I do, I value uh, that in me, that I still do that, you know, and is that correct? And that's my value, right? Yeah. Well, so like you said, service to others may be your value, right? Or, or kindness or thoughtfulness or yeah, whatever it is, you have to kind of really extrapolate what that value is. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, sometimes we get confused, you know, what the, what the specific value, sometimes I'll ask questions that will lead somebody to form, you know, formulaically describe what that is. But once you have that idea, so like, for example, when I did my value cards, which was an exercise that I helped people with during my training, one of the formative values that came up was connection. Yeah. And I never put it in that framework before. I never thought about it as connection because I love that word. It's so like kind of conjoining and right and community So I am so cognizant now that Mm -hmm. connection is so important to me. And like, so for example, if somebody says, oh, let's get together, right? And I'm so busy. I always have like, you know, I I, Mm -hmm. I could literally, literally, um, you know, uh, not have a moment in the day to do anything because I'm just busy with so many things. So formatively, I used to say, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. Right. And then, and then I used to wonder why is it that, uh, you know, I don't know that people are getting together. I'm not being asked. Well, you know, (laughs) they, they asked me 20 times and I said, no, every time, what do you want? Right. Like, so now when somebody asks me to get together, I don't respond that way anymore. I say to them, you're important to me. I want to make the time you know, it's not good for me this month, but what about next month? Or yeah. is it possible for don't you to be flexible? Asking. Yeah, don't stop yeah. asking. Yeah, That's I understand that. Like, uh, like you mean something to me. I want to connect to you. And I, I'll say that. I'll verbalize that. And it's so meaningful. And when I walk away from that, that kind of interaction, I feel so proud of myself because I am intentionally, purposefully doing something to lean into my value. So let's talk about that in regards to self-awareness. Because... Mm-hmm. I think there's people walking around that have no self-awareness. They have no clue. And, uh, you know, I think it's an important thing because it also leads to mindfulness is my other topic with that. And you need those things if you are going to become the person that you aspire to be. So Mm -hmm. 
what do you see in your practice with self-awareness or lack of it? Yeah. So with all due respect, <laughs> I don't like to use the word self-awareness. That's okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I think that's very hard to quantify. Mm. Okay. It's mm. either you have it or you don't have it. And I think that that's a myth. I, I don't think you could have or not have self-awareness, right? Uh -huh. I, I think it has to do with our ability to be in our conscious awareness. I mean, I'm going to say that. Okay. I, th I think there are things that get in the way of us be, being fully conscious. Mm -hmm. Many of us are kind of stuck in our unconscious or our subconscious. Yes. And there's perfectly good, valid reasons for it, which we have to respect. You know, somebody who was maybe mistreated throughout their life, right? They, they, the coping skills that they developed and the adaptations they developed was to cut off, right? And yes. disassociate, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. And cut off their emotions. Now, they needed that to survive. That was their coping mechanism, all the power to them, because if they didn't do that, guess what? They probably wouldn't be the person they are today. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we take that with us into our adult kind of years. Mm -hmm. And that's when it could be maladaptive and it could be unproductive in, in terms of being the person we want to be. Okay. Right. So, it worked for us as kids. Yeah. So, much as adults, so right? going yeah. back, let's get practical. Um, so what self-discovery tools do you use that can help people with that situation? Yeah. So um, in terms of like you said, being, so I think what I'm speaking to is being in your conscious awareness, right? That's what we're really speaking to. Mm -hmm. The best way for, and I'll give you another, I like to use examples because I feel like they stick a little bit better. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I was, I was working with this, um, young adult again yesterday and he, i've been working with him for you know quite a, a substantial amount of time he's lovely like i adore him i really do he's lovely he's absolutely lovely so insightful so incredibly in tune and like just a kind caring considerate lovely person and one of the things that we were talking about is he is attempting to get into a more kind of intimate relationship but what he finds is he gets confused he doesn't know how he really feels about the other person. And then he finds that he gets bored. And then he questions whether he actually cares about the person or not. So the example that came up, which was so like adorable in some ways, is he was watching his favorite show. And uh, this is a show that he loves, you know, it's and he said to me, she called me and she insisted that we watch it together. But I have to tell you, there was a huge side of me that did not want to watch it with her. I wanted to be watch it on my own. Does that mean I don't like her? Does that mean I didn't want to be with her? Does that mean that like I'm not into the relationship? Like he just jumped yeah. to that conclusion. Yeah. And then he gets confused on whether he really is invested in the relationship or not. And I said, what did you do? He said, well, she insisted. I told her to come over. And actually, it was nice. It was nice to have her there. But there was still a side of me that like had a little bit of a yearning for me to be there watching it on my own. And I said, what do you think that was? Anyway, we explored. And I said to him, would it be a farce that you wanted to watch it on your own? Because it's like, that is like, again, you know, territorial in some way, like this is my show yeah. and I want the full experience. I don't want to have to like explain something to somebody. I don't want to have to be interrupted while I'm watching it or whatever. Right. I said, would that be a farce? He's like, no. I said, 
so would that be contingent on whether you like her or not, or that you appreciate being with her or not? He's like, no. So I said, it's more important, not whether or not you enjoyed her company. It's tapping into why a you're self-doubting, you know, your feelings and B do you connect to your feelings? Do you feel it on a visceral level? Do you feel it on a somatic level when you actually have the feeling? And what we've discovered with him is he grew up with, um, he grew up with a brother who was older than him that had like severe challenges, mm -hmm. severe cognitive challenges. And what ended up happening, unfortunately, because of that is his parents were so preoccupied with his brother all the time. And he also had to walk on eggshells, making sure he didn't upset him or making sure he didn't get dysregulated or making sure that he made sure he wasn't dysregulated, right. that he didn't have a voice. He did not have a voice. And whenever he would express himself or express his needs, guess what? His brother's needs came formatively. So that's so what, why he needs that something for himself. That's well, well, so what so when he expressed his feelings, what would happen? They would be disregarded. Yeah, right. Exactly. So what did he learn? He learned why do I need to express my feelings? Because they don't get listened to anyway. Might as well just keep it to myself. Right. Yeah. What's the point? Because it's bet it's not a good thing to express myself because then I just get disappointed and frustrated. Right. So if instead, I you get a resentment, right? Yeah. Yes, you anger. You don't express your feelings and another person doesn't get aware of it. You get a resentment. Well, and even when he did express himself, that's the thing, you know, and again, the parents, again, were in a tight spot, right? And for whatever, you know, obviously they were in a very tough position just with the challenges that they were experiencing. But the point is that he never learned, he never connected the mind body. Right. So what he does, literally, and it's fascinating to observe him, it's all up here. He's a very cerebral person. Exactly. He's all up here. So he perseverates and he overthinks and he self-doubts and, you know, mm -hmm. right? So he said to me, how do I do that? How do I connect to my body? I don't know how to do that. I said, it's going to take a lot of learning. You have to rewire right. the nervous system. You have to rewire the cognition because it is so used to being here. And when he's talking to me, it was so fascinating as we're talking, right? He, we're, we're, I'm trying to get him into his body and he keeps asking a question going wow. back here. And then I'm getting him into his body and he keeps going. And I keep pointing it out to him. And I'm like, Oh, you just did it again. You're going back in your head. And, he's, and he started laughing. He was like, Oh my gosh, this is so hard. I so said, how do you get him unstuck? Obviously he is stuck in a behavior and he has to get unstuck, which the first thing, you know, of course I would suggest to him, but I don't know if he's ready, would be meditation. But I don't know if he could do meditation. <laughs> anyone, by the way, anyone could do meditation. I so I just say, okay, it's, it, dep it depends on what type of meditation you exactly. can. There's so many different types of meditation. Exactly. What, what we were doing, and, you know, I did a TED talk on um, how to, um, again, to circumventing emotional avoidance, right? Because that's what we do. We avoid emotions that are uncomfortable and um, are dangerous, you know, quote yes, unquote. Yes. So you have to do a very, very slow, okay, very slow practice, okay, that integrates the things that you're going to naturally avoid, okay? So if you're not used to going into your body and it's threatening to do that, because again, in the past, when you did that, it didn't work out so well for you so that you avoided doing that. 
and learning to do that, it has to be very incremental. So I started out even in the session and I said to him, like, you know, let's sit here, let's sit here, you know, if you can, and if you feel comfortable enough, close your eyes. And I had him just sit there and we did a body scan, for example. And he went from like the top of his head to, you know, his feet and really pinpointing each part of his body and seeing if anything kind of came up. Right. Mm -hmm. So very small, integral steps. And then I said to him, so he gets, he gets quite frustrated at times, you know? So I said, I said, you don't, any emotion that comes up, you could use as a tool to get in touch with your body. Yeah. Well, yeah. It could be frustration. It could be exasperation. It could be love. It could be whatever it is. Exactly. Your body keeps the score. I believe that's a book title, actually. It is. And it's true. Um, And I know myself that what I have trained myself to do now is if I get upset by something, um, instead of like just trying to calm myself down, I sit with it for a minute and I analyze, okay, why are you upset? And what part of the body is upset? What's going on? It's my stomach and it's butterflies. And I feel like this. And nine times out of 10, I can pinpoint something, you know, like fear of abandonment or being disrespected or whatever, because somebody didn't call me back or or was late or forgot the appointment, things like that. And those are attachment issues, right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I had to work with. Now, meditation, I, my mind goes all the time, constantly. And silent meditation right now for me is, is a goal, but I do well with guided meditation because then I can listen to the person and not my head. And Mm -hmm. I have a support group I started for women that are well, not just women, but caregivers. Most of them happen to be women taking care of their husbands, et cetera. And at the end of the meeting, I play a five-minute guided meditation. And a lot of these women never did meditation of any kind. And they are just amazed at five minutes how relaxed they are at the end of the session, right? Yeah. And, and that's all it takes. It's just putting something in your routine that you didn't have before, right? Absolutely. Oh, let's talk about commitment. Your program, right? These people have to be committed. Um, They have to have a sense of commitment to do the things they have to do. Acceptance, the change. Do you kind of lay out a a plan for them? So it's interesting that you, you know, so commitment, it's interesting. I'll use the example of exercising because I think it's a good one. People have this idea that they have to be committed to it in order to do it. That is absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. We don't exercise because we feel like doing it. Okay. Right. Initially, the tendency actually, you don't, and that goes to the word motivation, right? We use this word motivation, motivation, motivation. We could only exercise when we're motivated to do so. Absolutely the opposite. We get motivated because of exercising, because we want more of, again, the result of exercising, whether it's the endorphins, whether it's high energy, whether it's feeling more confident in your body, whether it's the change you see in your body, whatever the case is, that is what motivates us. But we typically do not start out being motivated to do anything for that matter. No, I I, I got an eye watch. My eye watch. And I had gotten one for my husband first to try to get him to be motivated and, and uh, he has Parkinson's and, and you 
know, he just needs a little push. Well, when I got mine and I set all the goals, they say set a goal for how often you stand up, how often you move, how many steps you take. And this is the best motivator I ever had. I mean, it tells me time to stand up. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be at my computer for eight hours if you let me. And uh-huh. and that's the kind of, I mean, some people get coaches, lifestyle coaches, et cetera, to motivate yeah. them. And, but um, yeah, I think it's very important that you realize, okay, you want to get better at exercising. So do it. If you don't do it for three more days, don't beat yourself up, right? Just do it. Again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the, the commitment, and by the way, for me, the C in my ACE method is compassion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the commitment is more in the act work that I do, which is the acceptance and commitment therapy. But I I use the word compassion Mm -hmm. because I think a very important part of what gets us to do, like we're saying is being self-compassionate. Yes. Because when people think of the word compassion, they right away think of being compassionate for other people. And they don't think about being self-compassionate. Yes. Yeah. That was a new thing for me too. I had to delve into that. So how do you show them how to be self-compassionate? So we work, you know, I say there's five ways of practicing self-compassion. And I use this acronym, which is um, we rock, (laughs) Um, which is work with your inner critic, engage your friend voice, redirect, observe and acknowledge and comfort. Um, and again, each chapter has a chock full of different, you know, skills and tools. That's just like one example of an exercise that I do, but there's so many different exercises that I show that help you because, you know, parts, each part in in the chapters and the parts, the acceptance, compassion, empowerment, the first part of the chapters talks about the barriers, what gets in the way of us being accepted of, of, um, acquiring acceptance, what gets in the way right, of acquiring compassion, self-compassion and what gets in the way of empowering ourselves. Because there's so many barriers that we have to recognize. If we don't recognize the barriers, we're not going to commit to the practice. That's just the way it is. is. So once you understand and you identify what that is, when you see a barrier coming your way, you could easily identify that so that you get back into your skills and tools. Exactly. And I think, um, one thing my my minister, we call him a minister, even though we're not a religious organization, but he always talks about, you know, 90% of the people in the world are in their head. They're always in their head. And it's not just about thoughts. And it's not just about emotions. And it's about sitting still and just feeling mm-hmm. like I was talking about with my own reactions, feeling it, thinking about why are you feeling it? And then self-compassion yourself, because you just say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's as simple as that for me. Is yes. that where we're headed here? <laughs> with the yeah. Self-compassion. Right? Yes. So self-compassion, we never learn to be self-compassionate. There's no prescriptive way that we learn that. And generally speaking, if you think about how we're acculturated in society and the Western culture is that do, 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 right? Like always about, you know, acquiring things, acquiring, I mean, it's always about acquisition. It's always about performance. You know, uh, we don't, we're not taught to actually reflect on ourselves, to think about how we feel, how we think, 
you know, how we feel about ourselves. And again, when we do think of ourselves, how are we referenced as being what? Arrogant, selfish, et cetera. You know, and, and, and this has actually happened to me. It's so interesting because this happened very recently where I was talking to a friend and I was um, talking about something that I was accomplishing and I was so proud of myself and I was so excited. And he said to me, toot, toot. And I go, what do you mean well, by that? Well, you're on like, He's like, you're tooting your, your own horn. Why do you, why do you, why do you feel the need, the need to toot your own horn? And I stopped mm-hmm. and I said to him, I said, that's actually not why I'm saying this right now. So he said, what do you mean? I said, I feel comfortable with you in our relationship that I'm sharing with you because I feel proud internally. And this is the way that I'm kind of connecting with you, not because I need anything from you. I don't need for you to say, good for you. You're great. You know, no. I, said, I heard that all the time growing up. I mean, if I came home and I was happy, I got an A on a quiz. They'd say, oh, nothing like tooting your own horn and this is my parents and like with my children I would say that's great good for you you need a treat you need a reward that's Here, here's the, here's even a step more than that Tell this me. is okay <laughs> how do you feel about your accomplishment exactly. exactly but that's what I would say to a child yes I yes. would say you got an A. Wow. Right. So I'm showing, I'm showing my own reaction to it. How do you feel about it? That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to do that as a child. So it does does make, when we talked about our core values and everything, that's how it's done. That's what happens. It gets implemented. But that's what allows a a kid or a child or even an adult to connect, right? Right. To connect to their values and also to connect right to their confidence. So then I'm teaching the child and I do this with my kids, right? Then I'm teaching the child on their own to Mm -hmm. say to themselves, how do I feel about this accomplishment? And they could say to themselves, I feel so proud that I studied and I put effort and I got an A and I know, and I could integrate that if I put effort into something, which is self-efficacy, that I will have positive results. And this is how I'm going to approach my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. I actually had another thing that we're going to have to say for the next time. Okay. We really covered this pretty in depth, I think. Um, Uh You have, let's see, you have a website, correct? Yes. And what's on your website? If you go, I have so I'm a blogger for Psychology Today, so I have all my articles, all my blogs. Um, of course, you could also go on Psychology Today as well. Um, mm-hmm. I have there's a link I do you on YouTube. I do a weekly guided meditation every Thursday um, morning at eleven o'clock. I publish a new guided meditation on all different topics, and uh, again in my YouTube, there's a library of all my meditations. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then on my website, I have a link to my books and, you know, any information that you need about me and and the things that I'm doing. Yeah. I I do know about um, ACT, that book, right? What other books? Well, so this is, this is my new book. Yeah. Ace Your Life. So it's Ace Your Life, Unleash Your Best Self and Live the Life You Want. Yeah. And it's dedicated, like I said, under acceptance, compassion, empowerment. What's new and exciting, which I'm so excited about is that I am currently uh, publishing an audiobook for oh, my book. 
Great. So I am right now as we speak this weekend, I hope to finish it is I am recording and I'm doing it personally because I feel like I really want to connect to my audience. Yeah. I couldn't do that because I have problems with my throat, my vocal cords. I'm actually in speech therapy just so I can keep doing my podcast. Seriously. Uh Because the beginning of, of the year, I could barely talk. I was, uh it was terrible. But um, I had someone do my books for Audible. which That's is amazing. great. And they did yeah. like a royalty share. So it didn't cost me anything. They just get half of the royalties, which you can't lose. But yeah, uh, yeah look, we're going to talk some more. I want to talk about, um, I won't even tell the audience what it is. Let them be surprised. Okay. We're going okay. to <laughs> go even deeper next time because there's okay. so much you can do proactively in your life to make yourself personally proud and bring you personal satisfaction. You don't need other people for that. And that's important. So, yeah. so good that you came back and we're going to have you back again. Thank All you. Right. I would I would be happy to your pleasure to, to speak to you. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> All right, Michelle, you have a wonderful day. And you too. everybody give yourself a pat on the back today for something. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah.